From the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG. I'm Mike Jordan-Lasky. When it's safe, I can't wait to hear live music again. And one band I'll be racing to see, if they play within a couple hundred miles of my house, is The Hold Steady. No other musical act I've ever seen radiates joy like The Hold Steady. They play big, loud rock and roll that sounds like the best bar band you've ever heard. But if you listen carefully to the lyrics, you'll hear moving, funny, heartbreaking stories about broken people sinning, falling, and reaching for redemption. You'll hear references to saints and churches and Catholicism and parties, lots and lots of parties. Craig Finn is the songwriter behind The Hold Steady, and he's my guest today. Finn, who has been called our greatest Catholic storyteller since Flannery O'Connor, grew up in a Catholic family and graduated from Boston College. I talked to him recently about the Catholic themes in his songs, his time at BC, and The Hold Steady's fabulous new record, Open Door Policy. You can subscribe to AMDG wherever you get podcasts, and thanks for joining us. Craig Finn, welcome to AMDG. Thanks so much for taking some time to talk to me. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Um, so first of all, congrats on the new album. It's awesome. Really love listening to it. Um, just for you, just as it's coming out now, you're talking about it. Um, what elements of it, as people are hearing it, are you most excited to uh, to share with the world? Well, it, it, um, it's our eighth, it's the band, the Hold Steady's eighth album, um, which, you know, throughout rock and roll history, eighth albums if you look it up like my, a lot of my favorite bands didn't make it to their eighth album so it sounds almost weird to say that um our eighth album feels extremely special but it does it um uh, some years back um franz nikolai our piano player came back and uh he had been out of the band for a while in his absence we got a guy um play, another guitar player steve selvage so when franz returned it became kind of what I call the, the super steady, you know, the uh, Hold Steady 3.0 with everyone, um, everyone involved, all hands on deck. And, um, you know, you might liken it to the E Street Band when Nils and Little Steven. It's, it's, it's everyone. And that's amazing. Um, and that feels really good. Over the past few years, I think, um, especially with Franz and Steve, they've had the challenge of figuring out where everything goes. Um, there's six of us now. So, you know, there's more... There's more instruments, and that and the, um, that means kind of that you have to play less. Like everyone, kind of has to find their spots. And I think our first record back, um, 2019, Thrashing Through the Passion, we were doing a very good job of that. But I think this record really blossomed as far as sonically finding the spots for everyone. And then also, you know, Thrashing Through the Passion, the, the album we put out in 2019, was kind of a collection of singles. We were um, putting out songs one at a time or two at a time as we recorded them, kind of. I mean, that's a great thing with modern technologies. You, you, if you know where your fans are, you can just get the music to them. But you also, like, when you're making that kind of music, um, you're doing it that way. You're always swinging for the fences, meaning you're, you know, you're always trying to create a, a big song. And um, for this time around, we decided to make an album. And that, some, that means there's a different way of thinking. I mean, you might think of like, oh, what's the weird song we end on that kind of fades out? Or what's the, what's the song that sets up this next song? 
And uh, you have a different, a different way of thinking about it. And as a lyricist, um, which is primarily my job in the Hold Steady, you can kind of think bigger themes and um, uh, think about kind of how things connect and what you want to say over the course of the whole album. And in this case, there was a lot of opportunity to talk about um, mental health and as that relates to um, kind of um, capitalism and late-stage capitalism and consumerism and um, technology and kind of the way we communicate in the modern world and all those things that were on my mind, um, you know, became part of the stories we, we ended up telling in the songs. So were you writing these songs before this crazy last year in the middle of it? Like what was the timeline of putting this together? Yeah, in fact, we recorded this the album in two sessions, um, August and December of 2019. So it was mostly done by the time 2020 rolled around. We had some overdubs, some backup vocals, some horns, some things like that, but mostly done by then. And it was funny. I mean, looking back, 2019 felt like a very heavy year to me, you know, and uh, we didn't know what was coming. Um, but it, I mean, you know, we had a divided political scene. We had, um, you know, etc. We had all the, you know, massive income inequality. We still do. And, um, you know, these things, these things were weighing on my mind. Um, but 2020 kind of came along and it, it, the record would have come out quicker if the pandemic didn't happen. You know, we kind of waited and dragged our feet and said, like, well, let's try to time it to when we can play some shows. Um, and last March, we thought that would be, you know, at very least late summer. Um, so I've, and then eventually got old and said, let's just put it out. But um, I think the strange thing about the pandemic is that it made the um, songs and the themes on the record kind of um, more, more pertinent. Yeah, that must have been kind of wild to be experiencing that in a weird chronology there. So you talked about, too, the band coming back together. When I saw you last, you kind of just spoke about that on the stage. This was your like, the favorite version of the band, having everyone together. Uh, and it does. The, the album sounds very it's full, and there's a lot going on, but like not cluttered. Um, and I know that you mentioned Franz, the keyboardist, who has involved in some of the song writing and it's the credits there and could you like walk me through it like and what is the process of bringing a group that big together to to put something like that like how what is the teamwork like what is the interplay well it's different than it used to be um because we all don't live in the same place um franz lives in california steve lives in memphis and the rest of us live in new york um so the first part of the process is, um, you know, technologically based. Everyone, the Steve, Tad, and Franz all send me bits of bits of ideas, you know, um, and that's in a Dropbox. That's just you know files, and I listen to them and say like, oh, the, I think I've got something. I've, I've usually got lyrics um, in, you know, uh, at least starting lyrics in my, you know, these days in my notes files in uh, my phone. And, uh, you know, I start, I'll start going through, and usually it's like one or two parts that they send me. So then um, I'll get a head start on that, and everyone will kind of like listen to that and understand what, what that idea is. And we'll sort of say like, I'll say, you know, I've got, I've got ideas for these, these pieces. And then when we'll get together, um, when we're able to get together all in the same room, um, we'll kind of start putting it together. Maybe someone's thought of a third part for that song, and... Um, you know, it can happen in different ways, but, um, and then uh, the producer, Josh Kaufman, 
before we start recording, we usually come in and, and start um, talking with us about, you know, how we're arranging things. But there's sort of that, there's always a head start, and that is new. I mean, that is, when we started the band, which was 17 years ago, it was a lot of going into the space and seeing what happened. But I, I think, you know, partially due to our age and, uh, you know, a desire for more efficiency, we kind of get a head start going nowadays. Sure. So I... I put on the, the record and um, as me, as a, as a Catholic person who loves the Catholic imagery mm -hmm. that pops up in your music, the first track you have, uh, St. Francis gets a mention. Uh, we have an institution called St. Catherine's. You have a lot of saints in your music on this record and, and others. Uh, I'm just curious about the saints, like what about them? If, again, sometimes it's referring to the person, sometimes it's not, but just why, why saints? Like why do the, they find themselves in your, your music over and over? Well, saints have always interested me. Um, St. Francis is a, in particular, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen um, the, I think it's an early 70s movie. It might be an Italian movie, Brother, Son, Sister, Moon. Um, Donovan did the music and uh, it's really kind of, I mean, it's pretty hippified because for the era, but um, uh, 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 it's pretty great. I have not been able to find it on, um, you know, Netflix or Amazon or anything, but it's got to be out there. I really am overdue for a watch. I saw it when I was young. Um, saints to me, I mean, there's this idea of like legends that are kind of is interest to me and how we remember people after they're gone. But, um, this idea also of normal people, you know, rising to sort of de deification or whatever you want to, I don't know what the right word is, but being anointed and, 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 um, being remembered that way and being put on a pedestal or made statues of because of their time on earth. And, um, that's fascinating to me, and I think it it's fascinating beyond the sainthood. It's beyond, you know. I mean, look, we do the same thing with um, we don't we don't say Saint Kurt Cobain, but we, you know, people remember him or, or um, Jimi Hendrix or you know rock and roll figures or other historical or literary figures. And before the internet, especially, interests me, and in that that you know, there's a there's a sense of folklore. Um, there's a sense of of you know, he lived many, many hundreds of years ago, but he did this and he did this and he did this. And, uh, you know, that that's interesting to me. I, I really like that sort of whisper on the wind. And, um, you know, I, I think because of my age, I'm, I'm just about 50. I think about, you know, even hearing about stuff before the Internet, you know, I would hear about rock and roll things, good or bad. And uh, and it was like unverifiable. Right. You know, like you, you just had to take people's word for it. Um, but I think this idea of legends um, is always interesting to me and, and how we remember people. And I think that saints are um, fascinating in that way. And the, the idea that uh, I love the idea that you'd pray to a saint for a specific cause. Right. You know, a patron of lost causes, uh, you know, to find your keys or whatever. That sounds that 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 kind of thing attracts me. Your songs, like, I think, in addition to having saints, is. You know, there's church moments. There's again some of the the characters. I'm speaking, uh, thinking especially of Holly, character who appears in a number mm -hmm. of your songs, who has an interesting relationship with the church. But so many characters are for me like really reflect like a kind of a, the Catholic worldview that's kind of baked into confession. This idea that like you're going to screw up and then you get some redemption, forgiveness, and then you're gonna, but it's kind of assumed you're going to screw up again and then again and again. But trying while all the while trying to like 
reach for something more. But that, that feels like it's formed by some like a Catholic experience for you, even though I, you know, I've read you're not like practicing, but that's clearly in there somewhere, that sense of like the, the mess up striving, mess up brokenness uh, cycle. You feel like that's like an important theme for Abs- you? Absolutely. I mean, you know, and I, 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 I don't know that I'm practicing Catholic. I do go to mass, um, although the pandemic has made that harder. But um, uh, and I do I do find a lot of beauty in parts of the mass. Uh, and forgiveness and redemption are the are the ones that I keep coming back to. I mean, the idea of original sin, the, the idea that we're not perfect, even in my personal sort of a non-religious life, um, in my adulthood, I sort of came across a profound change at some point in my life, sometime in my 30s, when I sort of um, really became um, uh, honest with myself and others about my shortcomings. And I think that that's hard in our kind of modern society to say, like, all right, like, I'm, you know, I, like, this is how tall I am. This is how much I weigh. This is where my hairline starts. This is how much money I have in the bank. But I'm, this, that, you, like, look, that's on the table, right? And, and like, I'm not going to put up errors or lies or anything else to mask that, you know? This idea of, like, you know, I think there used to be this thing, perception is everything. I don't think that's true. I think the truth is everything. So, um, the idea of original sin to me plays into that. Like, we can't be perfect, right? And so, I think that doing your best is 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 um, the no you know kind of the noblest thing we can do, um, and we will mess up and we will sin and we will for you know um, stray. But that said, I, I do think the idea that we can't get too far gone is very powerful to me, and that is keep showing up in my songs because. Um, those are those are the most interesting people to me. People that are are a bit broken, that are desperate in some way, uh, but can can be saved. Um, and and the idea that anyone can be saved, um, and uh, is always is always been the interesting to me thing to me about Bible stories and uh, you know gospels, etc. Um, so that that's how I think it shows up. Yeah, I, again, I think of your work kind of in the same tradition as, you know, some of these characters you see in uh, like stories by Flannery O'Connor, like Graham Greene's novels, some of these Catholic writers who you kind of have that experience, you know, th- those characters who have, I think in a similar way, are trying, are broken, doing the best they can, fall, you know, get back up, uh, fall more often. Are you, is that like that literary tradition, is that important to you? Do you, have you read any of those people uh, yeah. shaped your, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean, Wise Blood is fascinating. Uh, Flannery O'Connor, Power and the Glory with the Whiskey Priest. Um, Graham Greene, I've read most of. Um, I think I've read most of Flannery O'Connor. All that, all of that uh, is very interesting to me. Um, and, you know, the, the flawed people trying to do their best um, or, or not for long periods of time and then coming around. And... Um, seeing the light a conversion i mean um you know one of our most one of my most the most famous or you know sort of famous uh, biggest hold steady songs is stuck between stations about john berryman who um you know as i understand was um you know had a, had some catholic conversion experiences um towards the end of his life or or throughout and um but ended up uh, jumping off a bridge in my hometown of minneapolis so those kind of stories, um, 
are really interesting to me. And even, you know, in film too. I mean, you know, in Mean Streets or something like that, you know, um, like, like the way that those, uh, the um, images and... I guess when you think about morality, right, you know, I mean, if you, I was raised in the Catholic Church, so when, when, when issues of morality come up, you immediately, your head goes to, you know, Jesus and um, that kind of thing, you know, uh, thinking about big issues in terms of um, Christ. So... I am a religious person. I, again, we have little kids, so we haven't been to church with them. But for me, Hold Steady shows are pretty close to like a similar religious experience, like a louder one, I guess, in some ways. But there is the sense of the, the com- this community gathering for something that's not about themselves. It's like kind of about this community. And there's something that's even hard to put into words about what's happening. But it's this kind of catharsis moment there. It's clear. I don't know. For me, it's a spiritual experience. And just wondering for you playing live again, which is something... Uh, haven't been able to do recently, but is that for you when you have a chance to do that? Is that, do you feel that as a spiritual experience? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so when we started the Hold Steady, it was this, um, one of this thing, what we really talked about was wanting to have a band that people could feel a part of. And um, I don't know, I sort of don't know how we did it, Um, but it's one of the things that worked. And honestly, what we were talking about at the time is sort of like, um, uh, you know, the, the, growing up with punk and hardcore music, I, there was always kind of a scene around that that um, that music, and I uh, wanted to kind of maybe play music that I thought was a little more I don't know sophisticated might be the word, but um, different anyways, and but still retain that kind of scene. And I I wasn't really thinking of the church, um, but the truth is, I mean, I think rock and roll um, comes from, you know, um, comes from the church somewhere. I mean, Little Richard, etc. Um, and and there's certainly an element of gospel music and 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 um, the flow of of a, of a rock performance. And you know, I think that there is sort of a gospel thing to the way we. Um, pace our sets, you know, and usually in the middle, we kind of go down and then, you know, then there's kind of a roller coaster up and, uh, you want to get people to feel elation in that way. And, um, there also is a little bit of a, um, I think in our fans, uh, our relationship with our fans, there is a, um, relationship with ritual, uh, which is obviously taken from church and whatnot. Um, you know, callbacks, you know, having people, moments where people know they are going to be shouting the words, but, um, you know, even hand signals, that kind of thing, things I tend to do. And I know the crowd likes that, you know, and so that's things we can do together. And um, whether it's clapping together or I went there on business, you know, or um, things like that. And, And that connects the crowd. And I think that that makes everyone feel part of the same thing. Now, one of the greatest things about the Hold Steady is like one of my favorite things in the world is when um, I like, you know, we, we lately we've been doing touring a little different in the past number of years where we go into rather than go out and go for a month and play every place. We try to like pick a city that maybe people would want to visit. Let's say it's Chicago and play three shows there rather than play all over the Midwest. And, you know, not everyone can make it, but the people who do make it oftentimes 
go to like all three shows and it's it really kind of uh plays to the community that is around this band which is i mean a, 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 an amazing community and one of the most special things for me is when i see like two guys you know like two you know two people whoever it is um and you know one's from michigan and one's from maryland and i know they didn't know each other and next thing I know, by the second night, they're making dinner plans, you know? And it's like, I'm bringing this thing together. And that's what a community at a church does, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the, what a parish does. And it's, more, it's, it's about more than just the, the mass, but it's about um, a community of people who are, are like-minded and uh, gives them a chance to connect both, you know, under the church's roof, but uh, in, in, the, in the world beyond. And I think that that is one of the most exciting things for me about the Hold Steady and the people around it. Yeah, and, and place is such an important thing for you as well. Certain cities, this new album goes out west maybe more than some of the other ones have. Yeah. But last time I saw you were in Philadelphia and you, I think toward the end of the set, the song Killer Parties, which has a great Philly line, yeah. Philly's full of friendly friends, I love you like a brother. I imagine that is like intentionally placed toward the end for the Philly, people who went berserk for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, that. well, that song we do every night. So okay. there's always there for Philly, there, I mean, nice. pretty much every night. Uh, the, the, there's always there for the Philly people. But there is like that, you know, I mean, I, I, it started out very Minneapolis heavy because I am from Minneapolis and I, um, I sort of understand how the streets are laid out when I'm going to tell a story. I can, I can tell where this is going to happen. I've been, you know, I've been in New York 20 years now, so it's, it's become less Minneapolis centric and, and I've toured so much now that I feel like I understand more places. And you're right. Um, the West, the West is kind of a greater fascination to me. Um, maybe not like, you know, exactly on the beach in California, but some of the places in between, you know, and um, mountains and whatnot. Um, so, but I think having a place um, acknowledges that, you know, acknowledges some specifics with people and uh, I think brings people in and uh, specific details. I mean, I think in songwriting, specifics versus um, generalizations or general, um, th you know, concepts is, is something that I'm always interested in the symmetry between those two it feels like almost like a jenga game you know you're trying to put enough detail in to hook people but not too much to make it like not include them um so you, you know you want to leave space for people's own hopes and dreams people listening from uh, the twin cities will be happy to hear you have your twins hat on uh <laughs> so are you excited for baseball season's uh, return coming up here i am i'm um you know, I mean, it, look, it's it's been a rough year. So um, uh, baseball was one of the things that kind of kept me going last year. And uh, I definitely am, you know, excited for its return. I've, uh, I, I'm, I'm, a, I like all sports, um, but baseball is my favorite. So uh, I'm excited. And, and, you know, it's, it's tough because we're inside so much uh, these days. I've actually become kind of like a, um, uh, given the... <laughs> Sorry, that's my dog. I don't know if you hear. Um, uh, I've kind of with the with the Brooklyn Nets um, bolstering their uh, uh, lineup. I've kind of become uh, a, a bit of a. I've been watching the Nets, but I'll be I'll be really excited. I always get the package and you know watch the Twins most days. It's sure. uh, part again same you know much like music. It's it's got its rituals and uh and uh, much like music, you don't win them all. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Are, um, do they, the Twins, I know for a time, were using Hold Steady, was it a Take Me Out to the Ball Game or another song in, like, in the seventh inning? Do they still do that? No, they, they used it for like a full year. We did a Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Um, and then um, 
they changed sort of their music approach there. They for, for back in the day, uh, back when that was happening, they had a guy that was uh, really kind of playing the, um, uh, really kind of connecting with the great musical tradition of M Minneapolis and sure. playing a lot of local, you know, local locally raised music. Um, and that for whatever reason they went away from that. I, I think the owners might have um, also owned a radio station. So, uh, you know, good old fashioned capitalism got in the way of that one. But um, but that that was pretty cool. And uh, you know, those, that's you know, that's a pure love of mine: the Twins and baseball. Sure. So you you mentioned now like a critique of capitalism. This is a Jesuit podcast. Mm -hmm. so I do have to mention our Jesuit Pope, who was a pretty big critic of capitalism as well. Has talked about like, you know, the market goes down or up a couple points and it's front page news, but you have, you know, a senior citizen dying from exposure and you don't hear about it. Um, someone who has really emphasized that a lot. Have you, have you like followed him at all or any of his writing on any of the economic justice stuff? Um, a little bit. And I'm always heartened to see that because I think that, you know, I think that some of this, um, some of our, you know, for instance, you know, having like for-profit news, um, is you know one one cause of the political division uh, in our uh, in our country and um, but yeah I mean I think that it's sort of there's always this follow the money thing that you know once you kind of like your brain starts working that way you're like you you're immediately suspicious of kind of everything so I think that is important to talk about and I think that uh, you know I mean we we do have even in our popular culture the the this sort of bling. Um, I don't know if that's the right word. That makes me sound like a 50 year old. Um, but, but like, you know, Kardashian apprentice, um, money, money, money kind of thing that I think is, um, ultimately harmful, you know? So before I, I let you go, since again, as I said, this is the Jesuit podcast, I have to ask you about your Jesuit education since you are a graduate of Boston college, just, uh, ask you to think back to that time. Are there any Jesuits who you, you met there who you remember or any other people who kind of shaped your, your path from, from college? Yeah. You know, um, I mean, uh, there, there's two that come to mind and there was a, a part of Boston college that, I mean, I remember getting kind of towards the end and being like, wow, I'm sort of wasting my, you know, I, I need like, there's all these Jesuits here and I should just take classes from them whenever possible because, uh, I'm not going to get this opportunity again. And, and usually when I interface with them, they're the most interesting. Um, Father Neenan was a, uh, you know, kind of a, a uh, um, uh, welcome, welcome. Like he was, you know, I think he was involved in admissions or some way, or maybe even like had a territory, which might've included Minnesota. So like he was an early someone I met and was very kind and, um, uh, welcoming to the BC community. But as far as edu you know, classes, um, Father Bob Brownruther was his name, and uh, he took, taught Catholicism, and that's when I sort of really got into trying to, um, trying to take more theology courses. And, you know, you know, and I may have even been, um, it may have even fulfilled a philosophy requirement. But, um, and, you know, I was like not allowed or, um, particular, I don't want to say engaged because I really did um, get off on everything, but um, I was like, I'm not, what I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that I don't know that he'd remember me, but I remember him well. Um, and I think he was also um, the football team chaplain, um, but uh, he, he was an amazing and I would be, you know, I mean, that, that thing of like, you know, a word coming up and then breaking it down to the Latin and, uh, 
and and was really impressive and you know like you'd say well what does that word mean you know um you know transubstantiate or something like that and 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 also it's like uh it's in three parts and you're going back to the roots of everything and um that was just fascinating and and i um I really related to, I was really excited by um, that, that part of the education there. As someone who works in words, like when you're writing a song, like how careful are you with certain words? Like how long will you spend on it, like an individual word and how it fits? It obviously has to fit within the song, but then also like exactly what you want it to, to mean. Like how much time do you spend like agonizing over individual words? Oh, a lot. I mean, so like I'm a, I, like the first initial blast kind of comes easy and I kind of write you know I kind of punch the clock so I'll say like I'm writing a song and it's if I don't feel particularly inspired I write a song and that song might end up terrible and then um, I'll put it aside and then later you know I'll decide whether to pursue it like try to make it good um, and then I'll just start picking at it you know and uh, so yeah and that will go on until I'm in the studio recording it you know so um and a lot of it you know to be honest tons of it is the little words you know um, making sure the meter kind of scans but also you know saying the right thing but all and and you know it's a combination of saying the right thing and how it comes off your uh how it comes off your tongue i love alliteration uh hold steady fan knows that um but um but yeah just sort of saying something and um and trying to trying to find the right way to say it so it is it is sort of a constant um you know I, and I, I i do this thing where i kind of go hunting i'll say like what's the worst line in the song like i have to have a least favorite and i'm going to rewrite it um and yeah and you know um but so, you know i mean i, I the, the artist that i you know one one artist that i really love is um nick cave and also brings in a lot of catholic imagery in his uh, music and um he said something really interesting about songwriting where he like writes a bunch of lines and puts them together to see how they vibrate together. And I thought, I thought that was kind of, that, that's sort of magic and that's sort of Catholic in some way to me too. Like there's something, um, really beautiful. So I, 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 I do some of that too, but, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I stress, you know, I stress. And it's funny cause I don't know if in, in the finished product that comes across because there's a, so many words, mm. but um, you know, I am I am constantly like rolling them over in my mouth and 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 trying to trying to strengthen it. Sure. One last question. So I had John Darneal from the Mountain Goats on recently, mm -hmm. and I asked him if he had any scripture he'd been thinking about recently. And I guess he's working on a song about the book of the prophet Jonah, and then went on and gave like a ten minute sermon on Jonah, which was <laughs> crazy. I just sat back and let him go. Do you have any any scripture uh, verses you? turn to or that strike in your imagination or things that you're pondering i hate being put up against john because he is such a such a more of a more of a scholar than i am so i i honestly can't tell you i can't i can't uh honestly bring something up uh on the spot like that but uh i am fascinated to hear his he's a brilliant guy and a, yeah, and a brilliant yeah. songwriter yeah no that was certainly a trip well thanks so much uh, uh craig finn for coming on the show and congratulations on the new record and hope to see you on the on the road at some point uh, in the not-too-distant future. Thanks for having me. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States. And when we're not working from home, the show is recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. AMDG is edited by Marcus Bleach, and our theme music is by Kevin Lasky.
The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Megan Leepsch, Becky Sindelar, and me. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org, on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits, and Facebook.com slash Jesuits. Sign up for weekly email reflections by visiting jesuits.org slash weekly. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with the Jesuit vocation promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. <laughs>